Welcome to the 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 last episode of Flake Mary ever. No, sorry, but for the year, yes. As uh, I am flanking, I'm joined by uh, my partner in crime, Mr. Shinmiri. How are you, buddy? Hey, Flake. I'm doing very well. Happy holidays to you. It is indeed a holiday time. Now, this would technically be considered episode 10. So that's a nice round number, I suppose, to end the year on. But we're out of Star Wars Skywalker saga. I, I, w- I was going to ask you about that. What do we call this one? Well, we could kind of dig into the other uh, Star Wars movies that came out, like Rogue One or Solo. But mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even I'm, I'm running out of ideas to because this 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 episode is kind of off the cuff because we're not even running with a script which we typically mm-hmm. do we this one was a little bit by the seat of our pants but um because we're kind of at the end of the year and we're just ready to just kind of close the door on 2021 and just say screw it and uh you and i have decided that next week we're not recording a podcast because we're just gonna relax and we'll kick it back uh in 2022 whenever yep. we get to that point but um yeah um things are going well happy holidays to you as well mr henry fang my uh my favorite uh you know co-caster of all time and uh i, 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 think, I'm, I think it's i'm confident enough to say that i mean i've worked with people like obviously mcbeard with admirable i've casted with christo all of which are phenomenal but i will say that i just love casting with you man and it's uh it's, it's been a good year Thank you so much, Blake. It's always amazing to hear that. And yeah, I I love casting with you too. It has been a wonderful year. We've been doing, <clears throat> we started casting together at the beginning of this year or like the first Gwent tournament this year. And now we've got a whole year through. I'm excited for season four as well. Next year, excited for 2022. But yeah, this episode, we're going to be looking back on 2021 and talking about the the best this and worst that. And yeah, we've got a whole list. <laughs> yeah. And this goes beyond just the... I wish that I had a little bit more time because I would have gone back and looked at... I wanted, like, screenshots of every single suit that Pavel Berger wore to the events. <laughs> and I think, like, a tier list could have been good for that. That That is actually something I might do uh, mm-hmm. in my spare time while I'm at my parents' house um, being fed to death. But, yeah, that's, that is definitely it. But, yeah, we're going to look through some of the bests and worsts of uh, 2021 as, uh, as seen from our... Um, perhaps capable eyes, but uh, we have a list of things, and uh, some people have kind of thrown them out there as well in terms of suggestions as to what you want us to kind of grade or look at. But uh, we have a list, so uh, if you want to sort of dig into the first one, this is, again, a lot of this is just off the top of our heads because we haven't really, you know, we're not sitting down and and kind of studying. We're not getting graded on this necessarily. People will have their opinions, obviously, but um, which one of these do you kind of like jumps out at you first that you have a strong opinion about? I don't know. I mean, we can just kind of go in order so that we don't get lost. It's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> that's for me. That's, that, that's the uh, where I'm coming from. I like it. That so also shows our age slightly, just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> okay. So yeah, at the top of the list, our first category is most impactful card of 2021. Okay. And I guess to add on to that, we can also talk about the least impactful, but we'll do the most first. Um. So the most impactful card in my assessment. And I was like, how is it, how can you possibly decide? Because there have been such big cards that have been such huge impacts on various archetypes, things mm-hmm. like uh, Mamuna and all this other stuff, you know, for relics and yada, yada, yada. But to me, it's got to be Sunset Wanderers. Sunset Wanderers, to me, has to be the most impactful card of 2021 because it was in so many decks and it was actually... Uh, it, it wasn't out of place. It was so strong that it warped how certain decks were played in order to fit it in. That's a really good answer. I like that answer. Sunset Wanderers for sure has been super impactful. I will go with, just to be different, a diff, another neutral card, uh, Mushy Truffle, most impactful card of 2021. Again, uh, it's a neutral card, so you can put it in every any faction. And we've seen both the 9 provision and the post-nerf 10 provision version be played in all different factions, not only for just the pure value, but also because it's got really good carryover in the form of an artifact, a resilient location. So you can't get rid of the carryover unless you want to heat wave it. Um, and it has really good synergies with certain decks like Alchemy, 
as the card that it spawns on Carryover's Golden Froth as an alchemy card. It's got some really good synergies with Assimilate. But yeah, just an overall really strong value card as well as Carryover card. And that's a really good one. Just today I got uh, dummied by a Deathwish list that ran it to get mm-hmm. extra Harpies out. Uh, yeah. Very fascinating choice. I think both of those, frankly, are just very impactful. And like you mentioned, part of it, I think it had to go to a neutral card no matter what, because in terms of impact, that it'll be in more decks. Um, because I don't think there was any faction-specific card that really just blew us all away. I mean, obviously, cards like Milva or cards like, um, like I mean, what else? I mean, like, maybe Fakusha, uh is, yeah. is one of them. But really, when it comes down to it, I think that uh, it's hard to argue with those two, those two choices. Uh, yeah, okay. Best, so, East, or sorry, we're talking about the word. You're right, we got like the least Yeah, do you want to do... The least impactful gold card. Because okay. we don't want to just say least impactful card because then you just throw in some, like, you know, garbage filler bronze yeah. or something. But uh, man. least impactful gold card of this year. Well, this I is wish gonna... there was a list somewhere where we could see all the cards re- released this year. Well, you know, like, uh, Ryan Godrick comes out with kind of, like, the meta report with, like, the use, like the utilization of particular leaders and their conversion yeah. rate at what ranks. I think and that's a very useful tool. I'd love to see that. Uh, I literally just got off... Um, uh, another podcast, my Flesh and Blood podcast, where I was talking with the developer of uh, of an analytics website for Flesh and Blood, where they devised an algorithm to rank cards. And you're, you would love this because it takes into account the performance of the decks that they're in, the utilization, how many car- times it's in, like in how many decks they appear, the placement mm-hmm. of those decks on the ladder, et cetera. And then it gives a grade to the cards. It gives like a, a rating to the cards and then it ranks them from one to whatever, one to a thousand in terms of, uh, of that. You would freaking love this website. And I wish Gwent had this. But I think we have to quantify this because if we're talking about the most, the least impactful gold, mm-hmm. it's basically going to be any gold that came out of an expansion that nobody plays. But I think we have to further quantify this with a card that actually had some potential that eventually fell flat. And I have to rely again on she who knows. That to me, I think, is the least impactful uh, or most maybe most disappointing. It's hard to really quantify it, but um, I mean, how many cards did we get in 2020, uh, in 2021? Like, uh, like 150 something like that something a little bit less than that i think but like low 100s yeah i would say but there's gold cards that were printed that nobody gave a second i i really disagree with she who knows i don't know if you're using a different uh criteria i i feel like you're almost okay trying to eliminate all the cards that are actually not impactful at all okay so give us educate me henry in my opinion it is another monster card, Baba Yaga. Oh, Baba yes. Yaga yes. is not played in anything. And the few times that I've tried to theorycraft or build a deck with Baba Yaga in it, I'm just like pulling my hair out after a few minutes saying, <laughs> why am I trying to build a Baba Yaga deck? This card sucks. Let's just play a deck, a monster deck that doesn't play Baba Yaga. <laughs> I am always... Or Yaga, I guess. I'm firmly in the, the the mindset that if you're playing a card that has a ceiling that is super high but relies on your opponent to play into it, it's mm-hmm. not a good card. Um, yes, it'll pop off when it pops off, but if you are reply- if you're if you need your opponent to play a 4-provision, 5-provision, 6-provision, or however the hell that mm-hmm. card works, then you're just... You're playing you're giving your opponent points like your opponent can see through it if their last card in their hand is a five provision card they'd they'd rather just burn it than donate you those cards right so um i feel like that is an excellent answer and i am not going to contest that one bit yeah yaga is just way too conditional like she has an insane ceiling potential but the conditions it has to be like the perfect storm in order for her to really pop off um Best, and her floor is way too low. Best esports moment of uh, of 2021. I've, I've got a few that really stand out in terms of just uh, in, in terms of craziness, you know, uh, in terms of un- unexpectedness. And uh, but I think if you want to talk best, it has to have implication on winning and losing, and it has to have creativity uh, attached to it. Because frankly. You know, uh, if you play Igni and burn down three tall units, I mean, is that the best esports moment? It's just a good moment. It's not the best one. But I've got one in mind, and I want to hear what you've got. 
All right. I've got a couple in mind. Um, my first one, I'll just say one. My The one that stands out the most to me is World Master Season 1, which was in June of this year. Mm-hmm. Life Coach, you and I were casting this match. Yes. This game. Life Coach uh, playing Pirate's Cove on Blue Coin versus Tailbot. And we were confused as all oh, heck when this was yes. happening. He committed both leader charges and like Siggy and uh, just spent all of his coins. He went like 40 points up in his first three cards on blue coin, which is normally seen as like a massive overcommitment. No reason to do this. But it turns out he had this plan all along. He knew that this matchup, because he had teched for the Swarm matchup, and he had all these like anti-Swarm cards like Lambert and uh, Tin Boy or whatever, right? And he just went so far ahead with the tempo pass in his first three turns on blue coin in round one that the only way Tailbot could win the round was to go multiple cards down and go like two or three, even three cards down and then not be able to push into round two, forced to take the long round three where Life Coach knew he was super favored even if he didn't have last say. So I thought that was really cool because it caught a lot of people, including us, by surprise. Oh, for sure. And was a very, very big flashy way of saying you know gwent it's really cool in gwent because you can have these unintuitive moments and unintuitive plays that are super big brain and win you games and let's all keep in mind the fact that i think that the um you know the ask the audience in terms of who's going to win that one was like 90 to 10 in terms of leaning towards tailbot side and (laughs) ultimately that's that was one of those moments where you realize just how smart and how adept a player like life coaches despite the fact that he was away from the game for years comes back mm-hmm. gets reacquainted with it gets reacclimated to what gwent is now and makes a play like that that catches us two veterans by uh off guard because this is something that was so far out of our radar that when it finally hits the board with you know both pirates cove leader charges both sea jackals pumping in all the coins getting up by that much and you're like what the hell is he doing holy moses that was a that's a really 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 uh that was a great great moment in esports um the one i'm gonna counter with was the self kill on the unit in the keltulis match against colomone and colomone had no other unit to play and had to basically just concede because his Keltulus was just going to eat it. Um, and it was, a, a, I think it was like a gutting slash on his own unit to kill it. Uh-huh. Uh, to force... It was a play by Piable, right? Piable. It was Piable. Yeah, Pia versus Cole. I don't... Okay. I don't want to rain on your parade here, but wasn't that last year? Was that World Master Season 2? Season 2. That happened? Season 2 was before Season 1, which was all in the same year. <clears throat> no, Season 2 Masters was December of, of 2020. So what what year is this? I, <laughs> I'm not sure. I feel like it was a 2020 game. Do I, was it? Okay, that, that maybe happened. I was wrong about. Uh, but I could I could be wrong because I don't think Colomon brought Keltulus to World Master Season One. You know what, man? Like to me, 2020 doesn't exist. Like I between yeah, like it's the, all 2020 and 2021 are just like oh, merged yeah, just into the COVID together. Year. Basically, yeah. I mean, like I, I 20. So 2020 was the year I was in the hospital uh, for the summer, and then coming out of it, I don't know if I casted the December one. Uh, regardless, uh, that was mm-hmm. that to me was. But you know what? We're gonna go with the uh, we're gonna go with the uh, the one that you said. But I've got one for worst esports moment. Uh, okay, I have one too. Okay, and this is might be the same one. Uh, is it is it the one where? Well, maybe. Okay, so are you? Is it a play or is it a caster moment? It's a play. Okay, so the, a player. The play that I'm thinking of is um, the games in the bag. You have a card, and you need to put it on one of the two rows, and you slam down with authority. Your tunnel drill on the wrong row, uh, you wanted to flank it. It was Bart. I think it was Bart. Yeah. Bart needed to put his tunnel drill between two crown splitters and on his trackpad, apparently, misclicked and put it in the back and then was spending two coins for one damage when he could have been spending two coins for three and ended up losing that game because of that misclick. And that, to me, was the worst esports moment. And I feel for you, Bart. I know, but I know that he's gotten past it and he's kind of just a 
you know, he's he's taken it uh, in, in with a light heart, but that was a tough one to watch. Yeah, I that was the moment that I was thinking of as well. You've already won the game. It's like all you got to do is find is do the most obvious play, click spend your coins and it's over. You got it in the bag and yeah. And then that happens. Yeah. So, I mean, Maybe Bart was just trying to make Tunnel Drill not look that good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could have been a style. You could have totally been styling on him if you drop Ooh. it in the back row on purpose because you had enough coins to win the game with the one damage. Like, it's just kind Ooh. of a little extra layer of BM if you want to be that yeah. dude. But I, but ultimately, like, we, it was another one of those of like, oh, okay. I think it was uh, Tia and Leinhardt who were casting that match. If mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, were you and I watching it? Or, or I don't think we I were think casting. so, yeah. Yeah, and I we're think- like, uh what it's like okay <laughs> not my problem anymore but uh that that to me would probably be the the worst esports moment of uh 2021 agreed all right next up we have most frustrating or annoying deck of the year <laughs> this is a moving target i feel because it seems like it's all there's always a new one um it, it'll always and perpetually for me be lippy in any form or facet that it it is at that particular time mm-hmm. but i have to say that i will give this one to not to milva and traps which is very prevalent right now i'm gonna give this one to uh sunset wanderers tact is a tactical advantage not tactical tactical decision tactical decision where hyperthin uh, where the game played out essentially almost identically every single time there was a and and the power level in terms of point output was exceptionally high high octane with the blight makers and you know feeding your your sunset wanderer it protected bleeds really well because your sunset wanderer would come out and your end game was these massive massive plays and it's twofold one because that deck was just annoying to play against and frustrating to play against because you knew it was coming but ultimately the it also bred a need for mill to keep it in check because that's when mill decks started coming around to punish those hyper thin lists and so you go from that to a mill meta <laughs> so even the it, it, like the medicine was worse than the disease to a degree right so <laughs> like that's kind of what it was like i i like it i like i i wouldn't have said hyper thin myself but i really like the justification on Hyperthin leading to a mill meta. Yeah. Um, for me, the most frustrating deck to play against. Um, I would. It's not a new deck this year, but I would probably say for me, Plog is the most annoying deck to play against for me because I think you know against a lot of other decks that are that are typically or traditionally viewed as annoying, like mill, uh, like traps or no unit i feel like there are actually legitimate strategies that you can that you can employ during the game to help you win like mill you can try to two zero mill uh, against traps you can try to win round one and push round two and split up their traps and eldane stuff like that right strategies that actually do stuff but against clog a lot of the times it depends on just if you've drawn your the right answers in round one or not because if you haven't drawn it by round one chances are you're never drawing the card right against clog mm-hmm. so uh it ends up taking the player agency out of your hands a lot of the times when you're playing against clog but thankfully clog isn't it's just a sh- it's just a shadow of its former self this right it, it kind of lost a few stripes in terms of how <clears throat> prominent it would be when it kind of mm-hmm. first came about it was definitely a problem but uh now you have yan calvit that just kind of solves that problem altogether it's like clog my deck yeah, and then <laughs> slam that bastard down and just uh laugh all the way to the bank um all right biggest hype or letdown of a card that did not live up to the hype okay this is what i was thinking about when i said she who knows it was the biggest okay. the biggest letdown uh or or overhype of a card and for me i think we talked about this on a previous episode a few weeks ago was i thought that she who knows was going to be a meta warping card and in ultimately uh like i mentioned it wasn't even the third biggest transgressor of that uh, of that expansion or that particular archetype that it was mamuna then bloody mistress then witch's apprentice and then mm-hmm. it was she who knows so i think to me she who knows uh where everyone was thinking it was 10 point slambery card 
that sticks around like get bent like that seems like way too op you know especially on red coin and ultimately it was just an add-on it was just something to fear that almost never came through it was a real boogeyman situation uh, uh that that wasn't as dangerous as i initially thought okay fair enough I, I think she who knows is still a pretty big threat especially on red coin when you don't have a chance to react to it and to answer it but for me Biggest hype letdown. I'm going to go a little off the cuff here. Maybe a card that not many people are thinking of. Uh, not even a gold card, a bronze card. Master of Puppets. Ah. I thought that when Master of Puppets was revealed, it was like this kind of, there was definitely some part of the community reacted with, holy cow, this thing has so much potential, right? Like, uh, it's kind of like a bronze version of Ivar being able to kind of swap the power of an opponent's unit bronze unit specifically with your own and i tried multiple times to really make that card work and never really found a, a place for that card in a competitively viable deck it's a card that requires i mean the the, the whole principle of the card is you're swapping it with another bronze unit on the other side, right? Mm -hmm. Wherein your opponent will have another turn or two to just do it right back to you. So you need an answer for that particular card as it stands. So uh, I, I get what you're saying because I remember you were talking about this in the in the uh, in the developer Discord. We're saying like this could potentially be a significant issue, and I agree with you on that. I thought that that card was like that was for me one of those like holy crap moments of like they're printing this as a bronze card like i can see this yeah. i could see this card as like a six provision you know uh six provision four strength gold you know and maybe it has like veil or something so you can't lock it so it could be another finisher that requires an extra turn or something it could be a big deal it could be significantly be a big deal but it, it's a card i feel that needed to be paired up with like imprisonment where you do the swap and then you lock it on their side so you don't get bitten by it again or uh imposter so you do it and then you get another one on your side so you can do it again to them it's it's just i feel like it it never lived up to the hype because it requires an a, like a follow-up piece to it mm -hmm. yeah or like a really long round where you can clog their row if you yeah. can clog the row then you can potentially click the master of puppets to see something without giving them anything in return. Yeah. It'd be really cool too. But it's just a very, very conditional, a lot of setup required to pull it off. Um, biggest resurgence of an archetype. Again, a lot, of, a lot of these are suggestions from the community, and I apologize, I did not write down who suggested some of these. So if you hear what you said, thank you for the, the submission. Uh, but uh, biggest resurgence of an archetype. All right. For me, hands down, vampire. Like, vampires have been... So long in the dumpsters. It's not quite like top tier now, but thanks to both sets of 12, 12 leader cards early in this year and also late in this year. Early in this year, they got Unseen Elder and Detlef, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. And then late this year, they got Regis uh, Reborn, as well as a <laughs> bunch of balance changes that buffed the Vampire Archetype with the new and improved Fletter. Uh, as well as buffs to like Alp and Necrot, uh, Catacan, etc. And now they're looking pretty decent. They're looking like a, like a tier two deck, I would say. And yeah, much, much stronger than before. Actually playable on the ladder. And people are loving it because vampires have been for the longest time an archetype that people just really want to play, that they feel like they identify with or they just like really enjoy playing these cards. Yeah, when we got all those vampire cards back in like Crimson Curse like ages ago, which was mm -hmm. essentially the first like real expansion that Gwen yeah. got in like 2019, I think it was. That was a set that I that's still my favorite set and you saw the first pieces there like Nekurat and Alp and Bruxa and all these other cards come through. You're like, "Wow, there's something there." And it was just missing some a little bit of gas and then you got Unseen Elder and Detlaf and you're thinking, "Maybe this is where we need to be." Uh, and again, it fell flat. And now it actually is quite the force. Um, I think that all all the resurgence, the ones that ran through my mind, are basically stuff that got a kick in the ass because of this latest card drop, these 12 card drops. Because I'll say, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, tra I wouldn't call it traps, but movement in general, you know, was uh, was a good one. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with perhaps pirates. 
because of the onslaught, the new onslaught ability. Is that what it's called? Onslaught? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the reason for that is because it is incredibly tough now to to you know to mess around with um with with control if everything that you're trying to kill has this gigantic six point hat on its head that you cannot get through. It has been one hell of a pain in my ass to the point where it's like it's like I can't put anything out there. I'm playing a relatively no unit. Milva list and the only units I put on there you are abusing to the point where I cannot do anything to you where all my traps are falling flat and look stupid uh, I'm going to give this one to pirates and I know that there's going to be some people out there who are, are saying finally the pirates are getting some love because there have been people who have tried it but it never got to where it needs to be and I think that uh, pirates uh, is is uh, vampires was my first answer mm-hmm. uh, but I think pirates is definitely uh, deserves some consideration as well Definitely agree with pirates, but can you really say it's a resurgence of an archetype that never existed before? Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a very good point. You're totally lawyering me here on that one. So <laughs> I'm gonna just say that it's definitely vampires because vampires did have a have like, a, yeah, yeah they had a chance like they had they were out they there had, they were meta they were meta for a short amount of time like I remember people bringing vampires to actual tournaments and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, when Unseen but, Elder came out, people were thinking, like, even people would Karen Theor the Unseen Elder and be like, now nah, you got two, suck it, you know? Like, it's a nasty card to deal with. Um, yeah, that's not a bad one. That's a not a bad one. All right, <sighs> so next one is a little bit more personal. Mm-hmm. Best casting moment for you and I. Oh, best moment of casting. Uh, there are so, I mean, there are so many. How can I choose one? my partner in crime uh it's it's going to have to be okay okay it's there's no contest on this um in the long line i need to do an entire video of like my top five shinmiri moments that just made (laughs) me lose my mind Uh, like I've, i've said this a dozen times i don't know what it is about you specifically but when you say something it just cuts right through all of my defenses and just gets me right to the core and i can't stop laughing because there's a numerous amount of them and one of them was the uh the drill goes and then and i lost myself there when you decided that it was appropriate to say elven herpes instead of something like me saying it i was like that's great but the one that got me the absolute most was one of those again unscripted moments when we did um, was it Forever Yolo, the guy who was rapping on stream? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we 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 just did like the first verse of uh, of that Eminem song, like knees weak, arms yeah. ready. He's like he's got vomit. So you know we did <laughs> all just off the not just off the top. Like that was not scripted. That was not rehearsed. It was just thrown out there, and you jumped on and you and you drove the bus. And I was like, that's when I knew. I'm like, yes. I'm like I got a partner that I can I can work with here, and it was great. So that to me, yeah. I don't even know what year if that was 2020 again. That was still. this year. That was this year. I think it was open number one. Okay. And yeah, that was one of my favorite moments of all time as well, casting with you. And you were the you were I would say you were the driver of that one. I just kind of <laughs> continued, followed your lead because you started saying the lyrics, and when you wove that in seamlessly into the cast. You were casting, and then you're like, just started rapping the lyrics, and I I picked up on it, and I continued, and yeah, that was awesome. And Forever Yellow, great character. Hope to see him back at, so in, do I. in the future. So do I. Um, another favorite moment of mine was the same tournament, actually, I believe, open number one, where um, Tailbot or Tobliat had won a series. And they were trying to get an interview with him, but due to technical issues, they weren't able to get an interview with him. And I just spontaneously kind of threw out there, all right, Flake, you and I, you and I can do the mock interview with Tailbot. And you just, you got, your face lit up when you heard me say that. And you got so excited. And you even had the Tailbot shirt like hanging on a chair behind you. So you grabbed it, put it in front of your face. And when you, we did this like mock parody, uh, interview with tailbot and you even like you harnessed his totally out personality yeah that was a great moment uh again another reason why that that entire open was so important to me because it was i think it was it was that not like our first foray as uh it was yeah and 
like I said, like it's it's odd sometimes. Uh, like I can work with anyone. It doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily enjoy it or it's going to be as amazing as it could be with people that I'm comfortable with. But I had worked with Shinmirian capacities before, never casted, uh, never casted with you necessarily. But that to me was like I said, I'm like if this is if this is going to be the ongoing partnership, I want to make sure that I feel comfortable and and whatnot. And then those that entire Gwent open was I'm like. If this is what it's going to be like every single time, I am the luckiest guy in the world because like I felt like that those moments were so good where I didn't have to spoon feed kind of like some of these situations and and like hope that you're going to catch on. And then like you said, like when you're like, "We'll do the interview." I was like, "Oh." I was like, "Woo! <laughs> like let's go, buddy." Oh man. God, that was a good open. Just that yeah. was so good. Um all right. Best member of the Gwent community for uh, 2021. And there, there, are, there are plenty. There are certain there are a lot of good choices. Yeah, it's, it's tough to pick just one. Mm -hmm. But if you had to make me pick just one, I will say uh, a really valuable member of the community to me is Dream, a.k.a. Dream Boy. Yes. I don't know if you know of him. Uh, he... Uh, after every qualifier, official tournament, even the Polish championships that happened recently, mm -hmm. he tweets out uh, or posts on Reddit like statistics from the tournament, including you know the leader pick rates, the ban rates, uh, the win rates uh, on blue coin, red coin, whether devotion decks are popular or not, like all these stats uh, related to the tournament and compiles them all and presents them in a really beautiful, concise, easy to understand way. And I, I really, really enjoy those things. And he's also a very valuable member of my stream community, my channel. Um, he has this, uh, he uses a website that lets me randomly pick a card back. He like loads all the card back uh, images onto like a wheel of fortune type of thing. And then you click it and it's like gamble time. Nice. And, you know, spin the wheel and then you get a random card back to equip. And nice. That's what we play with for a little bit. So I, 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 I say dream. That. Really wholesome. Very, very good dude. Uh, comes around my uh, chat every now and then. Um, also, the like you said, like the Polish tournament that he just posted, I didn't even expect it. I knew that there was a Polish tournament going on. I didn't necessarily know the results, but those statistics are so important as a snapshot of what the meta is going to look like. Again, tournament scene is a nice way to essentially get a, a quick glimpse of what is happening in the game from a competitive level, obviously. And um, the fact that he just does it in such a good and, and digestible way uh, is awesome. I'm going to throw this out there. Controversial choice. Um, honorable mention to Devil Driven, but it's like giving Wayne Gretzky like the MVP. Like obviously Devil Driven is just like the tits when it comes to this stuff. However, I'm giving this one to my boy. Uh, I, I don't even know the name because I don't really, I feel embarrassed now, but Renfree guy. Um, Reddit Renfree guy. And I'm going to tell <clears> you why. Yeah. I think his name is Dr. Corchit or something like that. Something like that. I, I could be butchering it. Yeah. But uh, it, it's something like that. <laughs> he's got a PhD in Renfriology. I get it. Um, yeah. I got to give you some dap here. Again, I commented on one of your designs today, today being uh, December 21st. It was like the Leviathan uh, monster unit that's a 9 for 10 with immunity and consumes and increases its base strength. Uh, which is uh, just ridiculous. Uh, it's it's that's ridiculous. But cheers to you, first of all, for continuing to come up with you know ninety percent uh, unique and interesting card designs. You know, not all of them are winners. However, the fact that you go there every day and do it is impressive. And I'm going to give you a, a lot of love and respect for that because. You know what? This hunger strike that you're on, it ain't lasting. Uh, it ain't ending anytime soon, and we know that for a fact that you're you're in this for the long haul. But keep at it, keep going. It doesn't matter that there's a, a Reddit thread for custom cards. You don't care about that. You're there every day, work boots on, lunch pail, go to work, get her done. New card, Renfrey's not happening. But I respect you for that. So that's my choice. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think a lot of people, including myself, thought he would have given up after, like, the third set of Price of Power and there was no Renfrey. Like, of course. you know, 
And but he's still going. He's dedicated to the cause and he's got some really good ideas. Yes, that I will say that that there are some very, very unique and, and fascinating cards that he has published and thrown out there. And and um uh, not today, though, but uh, most of them are pretty <laughs> damn good. But honestly, um, much love and respect to you, my friend, for for continuously being uh, being that creative. All right. Next one we have is a biggest lesson learned from 2021. Now, I don't know if this means like biggest lesson learned for the game or CDPR or if it's like biggest lesson learned for us as individuals, as Gwent players or casters. Yeah, I don't know. Interpret it how you want. Um, okay. I will, I will interpret it as, um, I'll say this from a perspective of, it, it involves Gwent, but in just in general. So my biggest lesson learned is that you don't know unless you try and effort does factor into things. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying it in that broad sense because I didn't like I and this stems all the way back from before I even cast it. But in this particular year, uh, I have a flesh and blood podcast. I have this podcast. I have uh, Gwent trivia and stuff like that. And I didn't think that anything flesh and blood related would take off. Uh, but I tried it and I asked for help and I reached out and I looked for sponsors and I and I looked to I looked for help. And I received it. And I, that's stuff that I would typically not do because, A, I'm stubborn and I, I always think that I could just do it on my own. And that's something that I've also learned, that re asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of understanding a situation and wanting to succeed. Um, and from, the, from that perspective, I would never be where I am without asking for help. I would never be where I am without putting in immense amounts of efforts. And I've never expected anything but I've always worked hard. And at the very least, failure is a lesson that can lead to future improvement. So casting Flesh and Blood National Championships would never have happened if I did not ask to be considered uh, and put in the work and, and study and train and play and do this. Same thing with Gwent. Because I would never be a caster if I did not do Wild Hunt, if I did not do Gwent Trivia, if I did not do... XYZ. So that is the lesson that I have learned in 2021 that asking for help is not a sign of weakness in any means. And you never know unless you unless you try. But that is not at the expense of effort because effort just makes everything smoother. Working hard does pay off. And that's another lesson that I've uh, stamped home and then stored away for 2021. Damn, that's really deep. Uh, I, as in really wholesome. I I wholeheartedly approve. I think that's a great lesson to learn. I don't know if I can come up with anything that tops that. Well, um, it's not, but here's the thing. Like, you don't need to top <laughs> it because if it's yeah. important to you, then it's on the same level of, of gravitas, let's say. Exactly. Because whatever impacts me in this way, it might be something different. That it, for you, it could be something like lock the front door. Like I've learned to lock the front door. No, I, for I'm, me, for me, it's not necessarily a new lesson, but the lesson is... No matter how hard I try, no matter how often I do this, I can always rope more. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. I uh. still find, no, but in all seriousness, I still find situations when I'm playing or streaming, and for some reason, I just decided that I'm not going to rope this turn, and I acted really quickly. And almost every time, I regret it. Like, as soon as I play quickly, I'm like, oh, God, if I had just taken a little bit more time to look ahead, think about the next move, I could have seen this. I could have not made this mistake. Time, uh, but yeah. time is fleeting there, Henry, and unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes it's uh, it's not enough. But I mean, that that's definitely. I mean, that is a it's an important lesson. Again, like you know, it, everyone has what they're going to take away from twenty twenty one from a perspective of learning lessons and such. And I mean, just as a general advice, for people out there who are listening, just lead, lead with kindness and love. And I promise you, it the it's a scientific principle that energy cannot be created or destroyed, only transformed. And if you're taking in negative energy and transforming it into good, you're putting more good stuff out there. So the more people who are, you know, uh, who come across that kind of good energy, the the more it is. What goes around comes around and all that other nonsense. Uh but uh, yeah, that's probably as sappy as we're going to get uh, up, yeah. up until now. All right. 
Uh, what do we got here on the docket? Uh, let's go with most dominant deck. Most dominant most deck. Most dominant deck of 2021. There are some contenders. Some of them didn't yeah. last long because they may have been patched real quick mm-hmm. um, or nerfed. But there are some contenders that when they were strong, holy moly, they were strong. I would say the one that stands out the most to me for the most dominant deck was Thanad Ku Fruits of Yaskith Relics. The first version of Fruits of Yaskith Relic before all the nerfs. Mamuna got nerfed twice. Bloody Mistress got nerfed. Karen Thier got nerfed. But the OG version at the start of Thanad Ku, the second part of Price of Power, you had six strength self-eaters. Forgot to mention those. Those got nerfed. Um... <laughs> 10 provision Mamuna. Witch's Apprentice. Uh, four provisions. Also nerfed. Yeah, four provision Witch's Apprentice. Uh, 10 provision Bloody Mistress. You'd had Karen Thier that worked with those that also went with Adarin to get you like triple Bloody Mistress or triple Mamuna. Yeah, that deck was a nightmare. It was so absolutely dominant. Even if your opponent was like playing a super tech list for it, you would still be able to squeeze out a lot of wins. It's hard to argue with that. That was the first though that came to mind for me. Um, the original iteration of relics, when all those pieces finally came through before the gigantic nerf wagon started handing out, you know, uh, started neutering these cards. It was the strongest. It was a super high octane deck that was Im- near impossible to curtail unless you were just Unless you were playing like Reckless Flurry with all control options, it was almost it was almost impossible to keep that thing in check for multiple, you know, for like five or six consecutive turns. It was just going to get out of control no matter what. The the runner up that is my number one as well. It, it was that it's the relic list. Mm-hmm. My number two would probably be mages. I think mages, not meditating mages, but just the standard uh, Bannard student, Aratusa student mages. I think to me. Um, it came late on my radar because I just don't play Northern Realms in general. But when I did finally give it a go, as somebody who doesn't play Northern Realms very much, I just literally lifted any random list and then started my mage journey at like 15 and 1. I was like, how is this legal? Like, it just seemed over the top um, until people, I guess you know needed to hard counter it and everything just kind of shifted to major amounts of control but even then mm-hmm. you know it, it was a very versatile snowbally list that was just disgusting to deal with yeah that's a good one too alumni definitely uh for maybe even a longer time than relics because relics really only had like one month that it was super super dominant mm-hmm. and alumni several months all right next up we have uh best hardback of the year that's a good that's a good one yeah that's a good one um very subjective yeah it is definitely subjective i don't have them really right off the right off the you know the top of my head Uh, Mm i i think i think this was 2021 if not i'll be corrected but there was one that had a snowflake on it and that's very similar to my branding so like my flake logo so uh, I would always say that this was a Flake-approved CDPR um, card back and that I was paid a handsome sum of $4.6 million to use my branding to yeah. improve the game in that regard. Of uh, course. Yeah, that money has since been spent on cards uh, of various <laughs> degrees. But that, to me, was my favorite one or the one that you got for watching Masters, like that Four Seasons one, I thought was just, it was just very beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I would say the Master Season 1 card back with the, I think it's like, is it Care Morn? It's some sort of like kind of oh, castle wow. looking one for Season 1. Very, very unique. No other card back like that. I really like that card back. I also really like the villain Trentonmirth card back. I think that was part of the Yennefer journey, which probably wasn't this year. So uh, Yennefer, well, we went from... Before this journey, it was the Aratusa journey, and before that was Alzer, I think. No, or Triss, right? Triss, then yeah. Alzer. So yeah, yeah. That we're we're thinking like yeah, yeah. 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 I, I think it's it's a different year, but that's my personal favorite card back that I I use. Do you if, have a, uh, I got nothing. Do you have a favorite card back overall? 
That that one, Bill and Trenton Mirth. That's like your favorite all time. That's my favorite all time. There's one that I don't own uh, that I really really want, and I'm I have not worked up the shame to like ask Ryan Godrick just credit my account with it. <laughs> it's the Nilfgaard one with like the soldiers, and it's like looks really cool with like the, it's almost like silhouette style like noir. And it has like the Impera soldiers with the shields. I don't even know how to get it. I honestly am just a I don't really know which one you're talking about. I don't even know if I own it. I'd have to go check. Yeah, I, I don't haven't seen it. It doesn't seem very common. Yeah, it's not. And I don't know how. I think I found it out once how to get it. I think it might be a throne breaker thing or it's like a buy this uh, and mm -hmm. get it thing. Okay. Um, ultimately, that one is one of my favorites. But the one that I have that a lot of people ask me about is the uh, it's the one from Iron Judgment if you bought the pre-sale deluxe where you get like that fall colors joust card with like the two knights jousting. Okay, okay. Uh, that one. That to me is one of my all-time favorites. Um, and again, a lot of people are like, how do you get that card back? I'm like, oh, my friend, you have to get in the Wayback Machine and go all the way back to like August of 2019 when Iron Justice or Iron Judgment came out and that's where you get it. Or there's the one with the Cardinal and in the snowstorm that we got from like last year's event. Yeah. Which was really yeah. cool. Yeah. That's an old one as well. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, All right. Last one before we, uh, I guess, say our goodbyes for uh, 2021. Uh, best journey. What is the best journey of the year? Best journey of the year for me would have to be the Eratusa journey. And... I think it's because it was the first one that kind of introduced all these new different kind of cosmetics or vanities. It had the board, right? The Eratusa journey, it didn't have the leader avatar after we've had already like five journeys with leader avatars or six. We, we now, the Eratusa journey brought in a bunch of different game boards. It had um, different uh, music. It added music, right, to the journey. And then it's just been really, really generous. It had... A lot of legendary cards as well as awesome coins and card backs. So I like I like the Eratus. Yeah, the Eratus Junior was unique. Like you mentioned, it added a different kind of dynamic, a different look into what a journey was other than just a single character. Um I I really like the Regis one. I really, really like the Regis one because it has the three different forms of the vampire that you can get and they're kind of some of them are terrifying like the alzer one was cool but i think the regis one with the three different skins i think people need to appreciate the fact that you're getting three different character avatars for the for the most part it's not just like a reskin of an existing model it's three separate models that all look pretty damn cool i'm gonna give this one to regis uh maybe a little bit of recency bias there i'm sure if we went back and saw like the i saw resaw the the alzer one or whatever but it's got to be regis mm -hmm. for me for sure for sure Ah, that's uh that's a uh, 10 episodes for for this year for like honestly a project that i just sort of haphazardly came across my mind i was like you know uh, th there are gwent podcasts that exist obviously there have been podcasts that exist in the past obviously commander's horn being like the prolific you know og to a degree and yeah. when i approached you to do this it was quite interesting in terms of how the the conversation went where you and I were obviously we're friends, we're good friends, we're partners, we're co we're colleagues. But like when I asked you and you're like, what do you want to talk about? I'm like, Mofo, it doesn't matter. It's us. We'll figure it out. You're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'll come up with a concept. I'll come up with like a format. You're like, all right, just tell me when. And, and here we are, man. And I, I, I know that I say this at the end of every podcast, but I do genuinely appreciate uh, not only your friendship, but the fact that, uh, you you do support a lot of what I do, um, not just in terms of, you know, us being casting partners, but like you're you're a very supportive individual, and I I want to take this time again. I know it's the holidays and all that stuff, but I do I do sincerely love you, buddy, and I do I do thank you for for putting up with uh, me and and continuing to continuing to show up for the podcast because there's gonna be one <laughs> there's gonna be one Tuesday when we record this and I'll just be there waiting by the phone and you'll be like I'll, there'll be a note and it'll just say like yeah F off I'm done with this garbage <laughs> I'm done <laughs> so hopefully that doesn't happen uh, but yeah and I wanna I wanna echo you know not just because it's a holiday season but I think you are a great 
friend and partner to work with in like casting and podcasts. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, you know, hanging out with you and just talking and playing games and doing, doing casting. And I have to say that you are actually really, really inspirational. I think you are a very hardworking individual. You overcame such huge obstacles last year with um, when you were in the hospital and it very extremely inspirational and it's touching. Well, I I appreciate that. I I really, uh, I feel really lucky to, to know someone like you. Well, now I'm not a, I was going to say I'm not a crier, but I just saw the new Spider-Man <laughs> movie the other day and I, I cried like two oh. times. So I'm not oh, wow. going to see it. Okay. Uh, I still need to see it. I still need to see it. Uh, well, that's it for, I mean, I don't know if we're going to brand this as like season one or however the hell we're going to do this, but ultimately um, it's the end of the year. Uh, we all work hard. You out there in Radioland, you also work hard, but uh, Shamir and I will be back in the new year. When? We don't know. Uh, we're going to take a week or two off. We're going to see what's what. We're going to enjoy our time off, um, and uh, we will be back. But, um, I mean, unless you get super rich and and just leave me off in the dust. In which case, if you do leave, uh, we still need a sponsor, so you could sponsor the <laughs> sponsor. <laughs> you do get rich and, and just, like, piss off somewhere and just, like, Leave me like a couple grand just to, you know, keep the lights on and we'll be okay. I think that's fine. Sounds good. All right, friends. Well, again, thank you so much for listening to the Flake Mary podcast this year. We will be back in January. Uh, that is the target date. We're going to see what's what. But uh, and it's like I, like I end every other time. I love you, man. I love you, Flake. And we love you out there. So thanks again for your submissions all year round. This has been the Flake Mary podcast for 2021. We are signing out. We'll see you next month, friends. Don't forget, you're not losing if you're learning. Keep playing cards. We'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.